0: Hey, look, in case you missed it, uh, a great man was promoted to heaven this week. And uh, I've got an image of him up there. And by the way, you didn't miss it. Bono's still with us. Uh, (laughs) The other guy was promoted to heaven this week. The guy that's not Bono is a guy named Eugene Peterson. And Eugene Peterson, uh, at age 85, as I said, this week was promoted to heaven. Uh, Eugene Peterson uh, lived a life that has an enormous legacy. Uh, He was a church leader for much of his life, uh, taught in Bible colleges, some very prestigious Bible colleges through his life. He's written 30 books. I think the thing that put him on my radar, and actually the radar of many of you, and you may not even realise it, is uh, Eugene Peterson was was the mastermind behind the message version of the Bible. Now, the backstory of the message version of the Bible is Eugene Peterson Uh, whilst leading a church uh, a couple of decades ago, gathered a group of men together in his home and and a group of unchurched men, people who hadn't yet made a decision to start following Jesus, but they came together to start exploring Jesus and started exploring faith. They came together in Eugene Peterson's home and for whatever reason, Eugene Peterson decided they were gonna start a Bible study with this this group uh, from one of the letters that Paul, Paul was a heavyweight of the early church, one of the letters that he'd written to one of the churches that he launched. And these letters are now in the Bible, but they, at the time, were just letters. And uh, they started week one, beginning of one of those letters. And Eugene Peterson's taught, reading the Bible, you know, the, the first part of that letter. And he, he came to discover that, that these completely unchurched guys, they, didn't, they, could, they found it very difficult to understand just the, the, the Bible in terms of how it was written. And and the reality is that a lot of the versions around that time were were using language and phraseology that had, just in our modern culture, had been kind of left behind. And so Eugene Peterson, big brains, he's fluent in the languages that the original Bible was written in. He had the chops and the idea that from week to week, he would actually translate himself, like his own self-assigned homework, translate the slice of the Bible of that letter that they were going to study the next week into just super modern day, like current modern day language, and that they'd read from that. And then the next week, he'd he'd do the homework, his own homework and translate to to just super modern language. And they'd study that bit again, because he realized that there's no point in having what we would call the greatest message in the world if it's actually not accessible, if it's not understandable, if it's kind of gibberish if you can't even get to understand what it's saying, let alone the significance of that. And so one thing led to another and he got through that uh, particular letter and he kind of didn't stop. And then he gathered a team together and ultimately they produced what we now call the Message Bible. And it's actually not the only version that we teach from, but it's certainly our go-to and it's our go-to for very much the same reasons, that it's, that it's written and been translated into a language that's very, very accessible. You don't need to be a big brain person to understand it, and you don't need to be a church person to understand it. One of the um, parts of the Bible that I think has jumped off the page for me and for many other people, keep it up there, J-Mac, is uh, the Psalms. Now, the psalms are in the older part of the Bible. And the psalms were written as, as, at the time, were written as songs and as poems. And, and we don't have the music, and so we don't know how, how they sounded. And, but in this translation of the, of the psalms, of these poems and songs, Eugene Peterson and his team were able to capture this rich imagery. And uh, the reason Bono has uh, photobombed this particular slide is because Bono in the early 2000s started reading the message version of the Bible that Eugene and his team had produced, and in particular was struck by the Psalms. And Bono and the other three members of U2 all credit their journey back to faith, their journey to getting back to following Jesus with the words from the Psalms in the message version having just leapt off the page and captured their imagination. Two years ago, this is a little bit of bonus content, by the way, but I want to give you a little takeaway that uh, you're welcome, is uh, two years ago, Bono sat down with Eugene Peterson. By the way, he'd been asking Eugene Peterson to meet with him for 13 years, and Eugene Peterson had never heard of Bono, true story, and and said, no, I'm busy writing the message version. I don't have time. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Anyway, Bono eventually got an audience two years ago and, 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 and they sat down and, and, it was, and it's been filmed where they spent a day over a coffee table talking about the Psalms. And uh, you can ask the internet where it is if you do Bono, Eugene Peterson, Psalms. Uh, it's really, really worth uh, your time to uh, YouTube that. In the Psalms, this whole thing of bringing pictures and word pictures and, 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 and words jumping off the page um, is so important. And I just want to read one, one line, one meager slice where David wrote something, which was an incredibly rich declaration. David wrote this. I'm not going to sing it for you. The spacious, just, just let your imagination roll with this for a moment. The spacious, free life is from God. Does that sound good? To live, to be able to live and experience a spacious, free life. And that's from God. It's also, if that wasn't good enough, protected and safe. Well, is it? It's a heck of a declaration, David. David, are you saying that God will never let us get into trouble? And some of you wish that was true, and you didn't even know that about yourself. But I know that about you. Because some of you have prayed prayers like, God, if you keep me out of this or you get me out of this, I will serve you for the rest of my life. You believe in a God that you hope is gonna keep you protected and safe. I know this about you. You've prayed, God, please let me pass that exam that I didn't study for. And if you do, if you do, I'll never miss a Sunday morning again. You believe in a God that you hope will keep you protected and safe. You hope that the police will believe your story, that your car was stolen for 20 minutes on that day and that wasn't you that was behind the wheel when it went through that speeding camera. <laughs> and they somehow returned the car 20 minutes later. It wasn't me. God, if you, if you just let them believe that, I promise I will serve you all the days. See, some of, you, some of you believe that, or at least you wanna believe that, that God will always keep you protected and safe. When I was 25, I was engaged to be married, not to uh, Louisa, who I'm now married to. Uh, I was engaged to be married to someone else, and and that didn't go through, Uh, which I'm grateful for two reasons. One is that on my uh, wedding day to my full-blooded Italian wife, I was able, in my vows, to use the line, I give you every pizza my heart. The other girl wasn't Italian and like the other girl wasn't Italian and and that line may have just like never been able to be used and so that's, 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 that's the main reason I'm, I'm glad that I eventually married Louis. That's good, right? Really? Hang on, just let me just delete that on my iPad. Really? Ridiculous. That got rated R for ridiculous. All right, Okay. <laughs> The main reason I'm glad that this, the, 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 that my engagement to this other girl uh, didn't go through is that I am confident that had we gotten married, that I would have single-handedly destroyed that marriage and I would have single-handedly destroyed that girl's life. Some of you, or most of you, don't know this about me, but when I was 25, I was an absolute knucklehead. When I was 25, I mean, look, I... I <laughs> I'm, I'm a late developer, okay? I mean, I'm probably still developing, but the point is, I'm a late developer. When I was 25, whew, man, I had 99 problems, and uh, she was going to become one of them. I was emotionally abusive. I wasn't physically abusive, but I was everything except that. I was emotionally manipulative. I, w- I was incredibly angry and 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 had a fuse that could just be lit like that and would direct it at this girl, whether it was even her fault or not. And actually, I could see looking back that had that marriage gone ahead, that that things would have gotten really, really, really destroyed. As it turns out, and I got married when I was 29, four years later to Louis, we barely got through the first five years. And by that stage, I was four years older and then eventually... Come 34, we, we started enjoying being married for the first time. But when I was 25, and I look back and I think, God, I thank you so much that you didn't let that marriage go ahead. But does that mean God protects us and keeps us safe at all times? Well, that's the question I want to play with this morning. I want to take you to another uh, part of the Bible. It's actually called Acts. And if you've got our Elevate app, you can tap on the Bible section, and I promise you the font will be big enough for you to read it. Um, the book that we now call Acts is, is actually, uh, the, the context is it's written by a guy named Luke. Now, there's four books in the start of the new part of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Luke was a doctor, and what Luke actually did is he went, when he started hearing about the, the stories of Jesus' followers long after Jesus had died and gone to heaven, he actually was so um, captivated that he took his big brain as a doctor and he went around and started interviewing eyewitnesses about stuff that had happened, first of all, when Jesus was around, and that's the book we call Luke. So that's Luke's historical collection of eyewitness accounts. Not Luke wasn't there when they happened, but he went and looked for eyewitnesses that were. And then here is actually the after Jesus left the building stuff, the early church. And Luke went around and captured eyewitness accounts of what had happened in the early church. So these aren't fairy tales. And this is a guy who himself went, in, essentially as an investigative reporter, to, he's hearing all this stuff and he's like, man, I gotta find out if this is true. And by the way, if it is, I gotta capture this in writing because people need to hear about this for years to come. And 2000 years later, we have some of the highlights of what God was doing in and through the early church in this book of Acts. Well, the backstory of the slice I want to drop into this morning is uh, starts with a slave girl. And the slave girl was possessed by a, a demon. I taught on that two weeks ago. If, you just want to, uh, if that's an issue for you or if the person next to you's head starts spinning and they start green vomiting everywhere, we covered that two weeks ago um, she was possessed by a demon. And the way she actually used that, that power, it was by telling the future. And so as a slave girl, her owners actually started uh, renting her out. You could actually come to her to get your, for, your future told. And they were making big dollars out of this slave girl by her ability to, to tell people the future. Well, for some reason, uh, Paul and uh, his sidekick, a guy named Silas, this started to bother them. And so they prayed for her and cast the demon out of her, which effectively meant that the cash cow dried up for the owners of the slave girl. She was making them a lot of money. Now she's making them no money. And the owners knew that the reason was these two troublemakers named Paul and Silas, they'd effectively cut this woman's income generating powers off. And they weren't happy. So they went around spreading lies and rumours about Paul and Silas, so much so that a, that a riot ensued in that area. That's where I wanna pick this story up from. Luke records this. The judges went along with the mob, had Paul and Silas's clothes ripped off and then ordered a public beating. And after beating them black and blue, they threw them into jail, telling the jailkeeper to put them under heavy guard so there'll be no chance of escape. Now I'm currently watching season two of Netflix Making a Murderer and it is doing my head in. It's pretty gripping. It's just a surprise I'm even here this morning. <laughs> Paul and Silas, they actually got thrown into jail for not breaking the law. They were actually not guilty of having committed any crime. They in fact were, were serving God. They prayed for someone and now they find themselves in jail. And n- n- not only that, Paul was actually a Roman citizen. And this form of punishment, was ac- it was actually illegal to inflict this form of punishment onto a Roman citizen. So Paul and Silas, they're now in jail, innocent people. And Paul, a Roman citizen whose laws protect Romans from receiving this kind of treatment, was now being beaten to the point of being Black and blue. And so it's obvious to us that God did not offer a miracle of protection for Paul and Silas, even though Paul and Silas were serving God. And so, as you'd expect, Paul immediately left the church, immediately stopped praying and immediately put up a Facebook rant post about how God's not fair. I asked God for a miracle of protection, and he didn't. Anyone else got that? Share. Share with five people if God didn't provide you a miracle of protection. That's really gonna build God's kingdom. You're only laughing because it's true, right? Right? Well, here's what actually happened. About midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to the God who hadn't provided them with protection, that they were now in jail and having been beaten black and blue for serving God, they were now praying and singing a robust hymn to him. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. And then without, because by the way, people don't, you're not meant to praise God when God didn't provide you with the miracle of protection. you meant to curse him if, and then without warning, a huge earthquake and the jailhouse tottered and every door flew open and all the prisoners were loose. Paul and Silas broke the rules. God didn't save them from this situation. And yet instead of getting bitter And angry and jaded and cynical, we find them praying and singing robust hymns of praise to him. And the reason is because Paul and Silas, they know a few things about God that you and I need to get clearer about. For starters, they know that fairness is not a biblical Principle. Some of you ought to be writing that down right now. Because if you can wrap your head around that, it is gonna be a game changer for some of your mismatched and unmet expectations. That fairness, I know, some of you are tempted right now to run up, tackle me and throw me out of the church because that is just contrary to what some of you have believed for a large part of your life. Fairness, is not a biblical principle. Because here's the thing. Fairness is about people getting what they deserve. Forgiveness is about people not getting what they deserve. If God was fair, then you would have been punished for all those things you've thought And all those things you've said and all those things you've done, if God was fair, you'd be punished right now. You know what? Not only are you not punished, you're actually forgiven and free. You better be thankful fairness isn't a biblical principle. You better be thankful that you chose to put your faith in a God for whom forgiveness is His driving force. Grace, mercy, God, I don't deserve this. He says, I know, I saw what you did last summer. And because you're asking for my forgiveness and because I love you, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm not gonna give you what you deserve. I'm not fair. God, you're not fair. I know. I've been trying to tell you that. Paul and Silas understood that fairness is based on what you do, whereas forgiveness is based on what Jesus has done. Because if you think fairness is a biblical principle, then it will make no sense to you for bad things to ever happen to good people. Because fairness says, do good, good things happen. Do bad, bad things happen. That's fairness. But you know good people for whom bad things sometimes happen. In fact, you've even made some good decisions that haven't worked out for you. And if you think, well, that's not fair, God says, I never promised it would be. Huh? Yeah. Paul and Silas, they understood that we aren't called to worship God first and foremost because of what he does, that our worship first and foremost should be based on who he is. We don't worship the eternal vending machine. We worship the eternal creator of the heavens and the earth who seemingly doesn't protect us at all times. Paul and Silas in jail for serving God and they didn't do anything wrong. That doesn't sound fair. <laughs> yep. Startled from sleep, the jailer saw all the doors swinging loose and on their hinges, assuming that all the prisoners had escaped. <laughs> fair assumption. assumption. <laughs> He pulled out his sword and was about to do himself in because if they'd all escaped, he was going to be killed anyway. So let's, you know, rip the Band-Aid off quickly, figuring he was as good as dead anyway. And Paul stopped him. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that. We're all still here. (laughs) Nobody's run away. I mean, come on. (laughs) Wow. This should be a Netflix documentary right here. This is... The jailer got a torch and ran inside and, badly shaken, he collapsed. He (laughs) <laughs> jail is now the one that's badly shaken Not the black and blue boys He collapsed in front of Paul and Silas And he led them out of jail And said sirs What do I have to do to be saved To really live And they said well you put your entire trust In the master Jesus And then you will live as you're meant to live And everyone in your house included And they went out to split in detail The story of Jesus The entire family got in on this part They never did get to bed that night the jailer made them feel at home, dressed their wounds, and then he couldn't wait till morning. was baptized, he and everyone in his family. The presence of problems doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan. That last bit of the story would never have happened if Paul and Silas hadn't been allowed by God to go to jail. About 10 years ago, Louie and I, we were both uh, working at uh, Riverview Church just down the road, and uh, we uh, resigned from there, feeling a call to lead our own church. And some of you know a bit of this story. Many of you don't, and I'll just catch you up. Uh, we uh, were offered a job leading a church in, in, uh, in another state, and we sold our house, and we bought a one-way ticket, and we bought a house there, and we went all in leading this church and really saying, God, we'll, we'll, we'll do what you want us to do, and we'll, we'll go all in on that. And so we left family and friends here and set up shop. We knew nobody in, in that particular city. And we took over a church that was uh, kind of on life support at the time. And a year later, uh, I got fired. The board uh, decided they didn't want to start smoking what I was selling. And, uh, and they fired me. And so here we were, uh, interstate, uh, mortgage, unemployed, uh, and... Uh, if I thought that God was should be fair and that I uh, started shaking my fist at God for not providing a miracle of protection, that, and, and both of us, that may have actually been a hinge moment for us as people, not church leaders, but actual people, people who have made a decision to follow Jesus. That could have actually like the roadrunner just detonated us, blown us out of the water. But understanding that sometimes God allows us to experience pain doesn't mean he's not present. God's not a helicopter parent. Sometimes he will allow you to bruise your knee. Sometimes he will allow you to fall off your push bike. I don't think he's really big into letting you go and play on the Graham Farmer freeway at 8.30 in the morning. I think think he'd more likely pull you back from some of those sorts of situations God's pretty good at rescuing when we call out to him, what were you doing kicking a soccer ball on the Graham Farmer Freeway at 8:30 in the morning? But he's not a helicopter parent. Because sometimes there's a purpose in our pain. Sometimes there's a plan beyond our pain. Sometimes there's positioning that takes place that comes with pain and comes with a purpose. The presence of pain isn't the absence of God. If the presence of pain was the absence of God, then Jesus would never have gone to the cross. And yet, as He hung on the cross, so battered, so bruised, so beaten, so humiliated, that actually He was in—he uh, was unidentifiable to His closest friends and family. That's how brutal that was for Him. If, if, if He, w- in that moment, He was in the epicenter of God's plan. Innocent, hung on a cross. People around saying, well, that's not fair. God's saying, I know, and I never promised it would be. But I've got a plan beyond this pain. I've got a purpose beyond this pain. And you might not even see it yet. You might not even know why you're in the jail. You might not even know why you bruised your toe. You might not even know why you broke your arm. You might not know why you're in that relational situation with your family that you're not yet able to move out of. You might not know why God allowed you to get into that health situation. You might not know why God allowed you to to, to be in that financial situation. And by the way, you might have even prayed for protection from some of those things and yet you find yourself there anyway. Don't assume that God doesn't have a plan. Don't assume that God can't use that pain for his purpose. I believe with all my heart that God does sometimes protect. And I encourage you with all my heart to pray for protection from God. Uh, when I used to travel a lot for ministry, Louis would always pray for me for protection. When I'm traveling, that's a bit of a common one, and and, and I'll take it. <laughs> some of you parents, when your kids get their license, you need to pray for protection for all of the other road users, um, and that's and that's your that's your noble parental duty to do that. But some of you, and I know some of our Elevate youth, are in family situations that are less than ideal. And, and they can't get out of them just yet. And so we pray for them for protection. And, and I encourage you to do that as well. Some of you have found yourself in health situations that, you, that are beyond your current level of control and maybe even a confounding the health professionals. And I would encourage you in that situation to pray for God's protection don't say his no for him. If you're in a financial situation, you know, sometimes we get in situations where it's not that God caused it, it's that we caused it. And sometimes people are in financial situations because they just consistently spent more than they earned. But sometimes you didn't. Sometimes you, you were getting things together and that thing broke and you didn't have the budget for it. Or you lost that job and you, you didn't see it coming and it might not have even been your fault because, you know, that's not fair. I'd encourage you to pray for protection, that, that, that we will still have the provision financially to do what we need to do. I'm not saying don't pray for protection because I'm not saying God doesn't protect. I'm just saying <laughs> it seems to me He doesn't always protect. But whilst his promise might not always be protection, he does make this promise. We'll always have his presence. That he will never leave us. That in the prison, in the hospital, in the family situation, he will be there with us giving us everything he can give, his strength. So let me circle back to this outrageous slice of something David wrote. The spacious, free life is from God and it's also protected and safe. The biggest thing that Paul and Silas... that you and I need to realize is that you can actually be in prison to circumstances and yet remain free in your spirit. You can actually be in prison in your circumstances. Come on, I'm talking to the control freaks here. You don't like being in prison to your circumstances. You like to be able to change them. I'm talking to the people who up to this moment, and I hope God's spoken to you this morning, up to this moment, you were hoping that God was fair. (laughs) And now you realize that wouldn't necessarily be such a good thing after all. That even when you find yourself in circumstances that are less than ideal, understand that you can be in prison with your circumstances, and yet at all times, remain free in your heart, free to praise, free to pray free to be used by God. So this morning, what we want to do now, and we've been doing this each of the weeks, and and we continue with our When Pigs Fly series, is we're giving an opportunity for you to pray for a miracle. And it doesn't have to be the miracle of the day. We've taught on healing last week. we taught on deliverance the week before. In two weeks' time, I'm going to teach on provision. And uh, when we started this series, I said, just a quick pop quiz, who... You, who needs a miracle, or knows someone in your sphere that needs a miracle, and I think about two-thirds of people put their hands up. And we're going to be able to continue to pray for you and with you. And the way we're doing that, real simple, is we've got some hand-picked SAS prayers that are going to be down the front. Um, they uh, will pray with you. It'll remain confidential. they're not wearing a wire. They're hand-picked, trusted people, representatives of Elevate Church. Just go up and let them know your name. They'll tell you their name. They'll pray for you. And essentially what we're doing in that space is we're creating an opportunity for you to take whatever faith you have, whatever score you'd give yourself out of 10 for your faith, join it with their faith. And their score might be a bit higher than yours, and you might just need them to reach down and lift you up and pray at a new level of faith. That's what they'll be available for uh, in these next three, four minutes. We've um, also got a tree that we just put together, and there's an opportunity there. There's some leaves and some pens, and you can just go there, and you can write a prayer. And by the way, you can double dip. You can come forward and write a prayer. We're good. We, 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 we'd love that. It's one of those things where more actually is better. And... Uh, And then we're going to actually now, we're going to introduce a new song that we've actually uh, handpicked for this series. And I just really think there's something in that. So for the rest of us, let's pray, whether you're coming down the front, going to the tree or not, let's pray. And uh, you can actually pray for someone else. It doesn't have to be someone here, a family member, a colleague, a friend. Let your spirit run wild for these next few minutes, eh?